Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Ghoul Geek Keith's film pick of the week, which is Scream, which just came out this past January, directed by Matt Bettinelli-Open and Tyler Gillette, also known as Radio Silence. Do you like scary movies? I hope you do, because we have a lot to talk about later on in the show about that movie, and a whole lot more to talk about before that. But as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Golgi Keith. What's your favorite scary movie that's politically incorrect, politically correct, non-denominational, completely non-offensive, completely smart, <laughs> totally intelligent, has all kinds of fun features going on within it? Which one of those is your favorite movie? What is going on, everybody? Welcome to yet another <laughs> wonderful episode of Talking Terror. I, I am back. I'm so I glad that you could join us. Yes, he is back. He's feeling better. He's looking good. He's always, you know, welcoming you back to the show. And as always, what's going on with all these toxic horror fans? Well, we'll talk about it later on when we talk about Scream. <laughs> it's something that we'll get into. Um, but, yeah, what, what's so politically correct and what's so woke and what's not? Who knows? Well, we'll talk about it. We're also joined by the highly opinionated, the highly educated, the highly lovely Demonic Dean himself. Welcome back. Oh, thank you so oh, much for that warm, warm greeting. I'm so excited to talk about all of the different things that we're going to be discussing this evening. We do we have a lot to you. get to. We embrace you. We love you. We accept you for who you are. That's what we do here. I show. have a question. Okay. Oh shit! I got a little. I got a little mixed up in keeping track of the weeks. Uh, whose pick was tonight's film? That would, would be, be mine. Pick. All right. There you go. So you're just trying to play blame ready? No, we're early. Oh no 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 no! I was just it. curious. I really really wasn't sure. That's all. <laughs> 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 no. Um, we are not going to be joined by the monkey, however, who is in Virginia visiting family and friends and all that good stuff. He'll be back next week. Uh, but for this week, he is out, so we won't have his cocaine-fueled intro as we normally do. Uh, but we'll sally forth talking about stream later on, talking a little bit about horror news. Um, but before we get to all that, uh, briefly, try to keep it brief, the ghoul and I went to go see The Batman this weekend. Uh, and I wanted to get his thoughts. I wanted to put my thoughts out there um, just real briefly before we get into horror news because it's a current movie and it's getting a lot of heat right now, making a ton of money. Uh, so, what do you think about the Batman? We're sure having fun <laughs> yeah. now. Oh, fucking A. You sure are with a three-hour fucking movie about the Batman. Um <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, this this one, you know what, man, the one thing I'm going to say right off the rip about this, thank the good Lord that, like, this isn't one of those cases where every single fucking DC fan 
from here to fucking, you know, to Timbuktu is going, this is the greatest DC movie ever made. This is the greatest Batman movie ever made. No, it's definitely not the greatest Batman movie that's ever made. Not in any fucking way. One, it's a fucking hour too long. I can tell you that right now. And I love a good long movie. Don't get me wrong. But if that that movie is going to be that long, like let's say like a a Return of the King or or Avengers Mm -hmm. Endgame or something to that effect, it better be something that, that, that... that was built up to achieve that length. It needs to be the deliverance of, you know, the finality of the story. And that's why it deserves that kind of length and that time to, to craft uh, when you're the first fucking part of, like, you know, what is, you know, at this point going to be another franchise. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. Let's just dump a lot of shit, throw a bunch of shit at the wall. Let's see what might stick. Let's throw in fucking repeating plot lines that don't end up going anywhere and introduce, you know, like characters that maybe you'll see them again one day, but probably like fucking Billy D. Williams will end up being recast uh, with another actor because, you know, hey, who needed fucking Billy D. Williams to be Two-Face when we can get fucking, uh, what, what's his name? Get fucking Tommy Lee Jones, Jones, you know? Um I uh I don't want to say I hated the movie, but I I do want to say like I didn't like it, and you know I kind of I wanted to I wanted to enjoy it. I like a good Batman movie, but you know as far as like the Batman films go, you know this is definitely the best um the best quote unquote film as far as being a Batman movie. It is a legitimate hmm. film. It really is. It is so much of a legitimate film that it kind of drifts into that douchebaggery phase at times. Um, it's a real mm-hmm. film, Jack. It, it, it is. It, it, it's, you've really done something here. Um, this, is, this is the movie I want them to know me by. Um, anyway, though, Boogie Nights notwithstanding, much better movie and a much better way to spend oh, two yeah. and a half hours of your time. Um, Easily. You know, they, they I, I feel like this tried to, to, to go the that route like like the Joker did, by giving you somewhat of a serious place, but then somebody was like, Wait a minute, this is a Batman movie. We have to have Batman in it and he's gotta do Batman things. So they put him in the fucking suit and they make him do Batman things. You know, I I, I didn't care for Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. You don't no. get much of it but what you do get it's just not to my taste. He's like a fucking angry goth kid, you know? And it's, it's like, I, I, it's, it was more annoying than anything else, you know? And I, I just thought maybe because he's of the age he is. I am happy to say that we finally see Batman doing what Batman is supposed to do, which is be the world's greatest detective. We see him actually doing detective work, something that we haven't seen in other Batman films. But, you know, for me, if I was going to rank a man... Like I said, I, I, I have a, a distaste for this movie, but it doesn't mean that I have to put it low in the list. There are Batman movies that are much worse than this. This is probably what I would put as the third best Batman film. You know, with uh, Dark Knight being number one, Batman 89 being number two, and then this movie right underneath it, which I guess this movie could flip-flop with, uh, with Batman Returns. So, like, you could put that one at four, this one at three, or yeah. switch them. You know, as much as I know people do like the sequel, I, uh, you know, that that first movie, Nicholson fucking knocks it out the park, and I don't feel like DeVito and, you know, Pfeiffer and all that stuff ever, ever achieve the same level that, that Nicholson's Joker does. No. Yeah, I completely agree. 
Yeah, it, 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 an hour could have been shaved off this movie, and I would have been happy. Uh, I mean, I, I was sitting in the theater and felt myself dozing at a certain point because I was so bored. It was just so much talking. <clears throat> there was just so much talking about, like, what the Riddler is doing and what's the Penguin got to do with things. And it's, I mean, I liked Paul Dano as the Riddler. I mean, that was, like, the highlight for me just because it was a different vision of the joke, I mean, of the Riddler that's never been seen before, uh, more like the Zodiac Killer more than anything else. But, yeah, Pattinson as Bruce Wayne versus Batman, it's like, okay, so you have Bruce Wayne who weighs, like, 90 pounds, and he's brooding the entire time. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to go out. I don't want to see people. I don't want to do anything. I just want to fight crime. And then he puts on the Batman suit, and it looks like he weighs, like, 300. Like, he looks like a beefed-up motherfucker. And I'm like, yeah, obviously he's wearing a, he's wearing a, a suit underneath the suit. He's wearing muscles. You know, because he, he's, he when he's gets, out of the suit, he looks so weak. He is. He looks scrawny, and then he's in the suit, and it's fucking, he's like a WWE superstar all of a sudden. It's like, you know, holy <laughs> yeah. shit, it's so cold Steve Austin coming down. You know, and he's in a fucking Batman yeah. outfit. Um, and look, I, you know what, again, they want to play the whole, like, they didn't really play to it, but if they want to use that as their whole, like, well, that's why nobody realizes that Bruce Wayne is Batman, because, you know, how can skinny little Bruce Wayne be, you know, Batman, who's all big, muscular, and tough? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How is skinny little mm-hmm. fucking Bruce Wayne capable of doing all kinds of feats of fucking strength and martial arts maneuvers when he doesn't look like somebody that does any of that? Um, yeah, no. you know, the, the, the one thing I will absolutely give credit for was the villains in this, in this movie, you know? Uh, yeah. Colin Farrell yeah. as fucking Penguin was fantastic. Unrecognizable. John Tut- John Turturro fucking blew me mm-hmm. out of the water at Falcone, man. I absolutely fucking oh. loved him. Yep. And Paul Deneau as Riddler in the Riddler suit. See, the, ma- the mistake you even made saying it. The mistake you mm-hmm. made even saying it when you were talking about it before. You're right. You said Joker. And that's the thing. Because as soon as yeah. they got him out of the mask, all of a sudden he seems... A little too Jokerish to my taste. You know what I mean? Like oh, he was playing it a little too yeah. nuts, and not, you know, the intelligent Riddler that we watched build up to this point of the movie. And of course, you know, anytime I look at that fucking kid, the first thing that comes out of my name, out of my, my mouth, is your name is Clitz with a K. <laughs> you know, because that fucking kid is Clitz. He's gonna always be Clitz, just like fucking Chris yeah, Always gonna be. He's always going to be Eli, you know, like, that's funny, but, like, actually, I, I looked at my <laughs> yeah. fucking memories today, and Monster Mania came up from 2014 when we went, and that's when we met that kid, you know, <laughs> or 2000, whatever year it was, 2013, um, and I'm like, oh, my God, look, it's fucking Eli, and then I remember how, how I felt so bad afterwards, because I was like, dude, I want the guy just to be Eli, and he, like, came around, and he's like, hi, my name is Chris, like, to kind of, like, separate the reality from the fiction, and I just remember looking at him being like, just be fucking Eli, okay? Just curse and say dirty shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to yeah. meet this yeah. mild-mannered yeah. Chris, whoever yeah, sir. that is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah it, was, it was just a, you know, it, 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 like you had said, I agree with you. Like, it's not the worst Batman that's ever been released, but it's also not that great. Um, I was okay with it at the end. I thought that the score was pretty good. You know, not not the fucking droning Nirvana song that they played, but the actual score itself. No. I thought it was kind of brooding and kind of effective. But, yeah, it's just seeing this whole fucking thing with Bruce Wayne being like fucking Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver is like, oh, here it goes again. Tonight, I'm out in the streets. The filth is running out. This city's dying, and I have to give it its wish. I'm like, come on, dude, let's stop it. This is year two for you. 
You know, like you haven't even met Bane yet. <laughs> let's not let's not get too wrapped up in Bane. <laughs> you know, with with micromanaging the fucking city when there's fucking people robbing people and you're like, I'm gonna go out there and fucking beat them up. You say, all right, okay, cool. So we get to see Batman beat up on a couple, you know, hoodlums in the streets. I was like, he hasn't gotten to like the main baddies yet of uh, you know where he's gonna go. So it's, it, it it was fine, but like I said, at one point when he's out of the suit and he puts on his sunglasses, he looks like fucking Lane Staley from Allison Chains. I was like, what is this look mm-hmm. that they're going for with the black t-shirt and the stringy hair? And he's like, I just can't be bothered to do anything. It's like, right, it's fine. Again, and, and, if, you know, I remember, this, if I remember, if I remember right, Pattinson said that like, hey, I am going to be goth Batman. That was, like, something yeah. that I remember him saying in, like, an interview or something like that. And it is kind of, again, you don't get a lot of it. You know what I mean? So for, for no, all the complaining about it, the, the reality is you're only getting a couple minutes of him as Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and, yeah, like, Colin Farrell did a great job as the Penguin. But at the same time, did he, though? Because, yeah, he's unrecognizable, which I did like. You know, the makeup that they did on him looked great. But at the same time, I don't really feel like he knew what fucking movie he was in. Because at some point, she's just like, yeah, I'm the penguin, and I'm like, you know, this crime guy, and I do these things. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, yo, what's going on here? Where are you guys showing me this for? I'm like, are you Italian, or are you just a guy? Like, he, he was trying to do, like, a Robert De Niro impression through a lot of That's the things exactly that he That's exactly what I did feel. And I feel like with <laughs> yeah. the makeup and with the performance and all of that, like, really, they probably could have – they might have been able to trim a little bit of the, 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 the studio time – by just hiring De Niro. You know, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I can't see that makeup being all that much harder to apply to De Niro because of how much they had to apply to Colin to make him look like De Niro. So you might as well use the actual source and work with it from there. But uh, maybe, maybe they need it younger. I don't know. Again, I, I, I did like his performance, so I, I don't want to complain too much about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the only other performance that I think, you know, for me in a Batman movie, which is important, is Alfred. But, uh, Yo, yeah. you know, I Andy don't know. I, I've never been a Michael Caine fan with it. I like Jeremy Irons mm-hmm. in the role, and I like uh, Michael Go. Yeah. You know, so Michael don't Go. tell him that, you mean, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to always know. Yeah. I'm always going to think the old man from the, you know, the 89 movie and the Schumacher film. Yeah, Michael Go. Stuff, so. Yeah, he, he is the goat. I mean, Andy Serkis was okay, but it just kind of feel like they just didn't really have anything for him to do in this movie. So they just kind of threw him in there, and, and you know, he had his arc in the movie. And I think, okay, well, we have to give something for Alfred to do. Otherwise, you know, what's the point of him being here? Um, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz, I did really like. Um, but, again, it was kind of muddled, her whole story and her, her whole arc of, of what she uh, is really meant to do in the movie. You know, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Anne Hathaway, so I didn't really care for her in Dark Knight Rises, but I kind of think she's the better Catwoman just because of, of who she portrays herself as in the movie compared to Zoe Kravitz, who's just like, yeah, my father, and I'm really upset, and I just want to leave this city. Well, I mean, Holly Berry is always going to be the, the best Catwoman that we've ever seen. Um, <laughs> Clearly. So, I mean, that's. That that goes, you know, without saying in any way. No, it was like, you know what? I liked Michelle Pfeiffer in the role, and I know that went with the whole silly catch resuscitated her back to life type of deal. Um, well, I enjoyed it. Uh, Hathaway, you know, I uh, there, there were moments of Hathaway's performance that that I loved. The sequence in the yeah. bar 
when she kicks everybody's asses. And then the second oh, yeah. that door gets kicked in, she turns around screaming, freaking out like she was the victim the entire mm-hmm. time. Like, that was one of those, <laughs> yeah. like, Anne Hathaway moments of, like, why, when you look at it and you go, wow, that's why she gets paid a lot of money to act, because that was just fucking great. Um you know, uh, but, but yeah, I, I didn't hate Kravitz in the role. It's just one of those things where I think if the film itself didn't feel so meandering, uh, if the film itself didn't feel yeah. like it was trying to be so much bigger than it needed to be, then I probably would have appreciated whatever it was that she was bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I could uh, agree with that. And then lastly, to close it out, um, as much as I love Gary Oldman as uh, Lieutenant Gordon, I think Jeffrey Wright did a fucking great job as this Lieutenant Gordon. Because he's a guy that's going to bring Batman right to the fucking crime scene and be like, he's with me, fuck off. Like, he's smart. You guys aren't. Let him do his thing. He just had this kind of really love relationship with, with Batman. He's like, you're the only man I trust, Batman. Punch me in the face. <laughs> yeah. He was just so, just so cool with how he only wanted Batman to solve these crimes. I can't trust the police. You're the only one. <laughs> it, just, it was great. Yeah, he can he also not really do his well. own job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you saying, you know what, man? Again, like, I, I like, I liked parts of, okay, so I like Jeffrey Wright's performance. I like this actor. Um, anything I've yeah. seen him mm-hmm. in, I've enjoyed his performances. Uh, this movie, right. again, is, is another one. Now, at the same time, too, you know, here it's it's still Detective Gordon. It's not, you know, it's not Commissioner yet. Um, right. But I feel like my worry with this actor in the role is, is, is he going to be capable of reaching the intensities that I know Jim Gordon needs to, to be able to achieve at times? Um, we're not looking at, like, you know, the fat, bumbling Jim Gordon from the fucking 89 movies. Um, right. You know, that, that whole whole gimmick is done. You know, I, I, I think Oldman did fantastic, but like we see with Oldman, yeah. he can get intense, you know, and when he does, it's believable. Jeffrey Wright has a very, like, um, in general, and I've seen it in his other movies, too, he's got a very timid demeanor about him. So when it's playing mm. the, the cuck role of, like, yes, we need Batman in every single scene. We need him to get over here because we can't figure <laughs> this out ourselves because we're just really bad cops, and I'm obviously a real shitty detective. Um, you know, like, when, when he's playing that, like, yes, I, I can buy that part of it. But will he be able to turn around and be the, the detective Jim Gordon and eventually the commissioner Jim Gordon that, you know, requires a little bit more, uh, more panache, I think, for the, for the role? Yeah, we'll I hope see so. what happens, you know, because obviously I think this is definitely going to be going in the franchise territory, so we'll see. Uh, but that being said, uh, Making Dean, money. returning to you uh, for some horror news, what do you have for us tonight, man? Oh, I forgot. It's not a comic book. Uh, on the, I forgot that we were on the air. Um, I do want to take a brief second. Forgot that we're a horror <laughs> brief podcast second. for a moment. <laughs> uh, just to make issues, this very, uh, a very, a very proud announcement for uh, the Talking Terror organization. Uh, All right. This afternoon, sure. the Talking Terror organization has eclipsed 4,000 followers on our Instagram page. Way to oh. go, boys. All right. Thanks, Billy. Awesome. So... <laughs> Roughly, roughly one thousand, roughly one thousand of those followers are 
wanna continuously want to uh, give us money, and they just <laughs> need our cash app or our Zelle. But the other 3,000 are our loyal, loyal fans and followers. <laughs> <laughs> they love, um, they anyway, love our corn. I do, I do, I do, like, see this, though, as, like, a, like a, just another hurdle. Like, we're, we're really fucking, like, acquiring, uh, you know, followers on the Instagram. So, pretty fucking That's sweet, amazing. if I must say so myself. Fuck. That is on. very one of them, fucking one of, them took their, one of them took their time, you know, wooing me uh, on WhatsApp. And, uh, Ooh. you know, as, 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 as they how'd you, how'd you, how'd you, this... how'd you transition to over there? I, I forget which one this one was. Uh, either way, <laughs> basically, like this is I. This is the one in which I started. I, uh, I was miter, um, and, uh, and, and it's I remember that one. But how did that transition to, to the other? To the other? Uh, because they, they hit that point and they ask. So I, I just went that route and just just to see where it would uh, go, you know. And then it's gone absolutely nowhere. Uh, at one point, you know, the person told me that their that their time is. Is, is valuable so that, that one must pay yep. for their time to, to which point I told them that I'm offended by that. They think that they're so much more important than me that, that I'd actually have to spend money to fucking have any kind of conversation with them. So, so instead they, they've hung around like dropping fucking lines every now and again to me. Finally though, they finally, they, they went all out tonight. They were like, Hey, I need a new phone. Can you buy me a phone? <laughs> just like, Oh, nice. Like, <laughs> oh, I go, of course, you know, getting a new phone is, is hard. I can absolutely help you with that. You know, do you like Apple? Do you like Samsung? Where do you want to go with it? Let's, let, let's have this discussion. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's entertaining. It's fun. No Bob's and Virgin. No Bob's and Virgin, though. That, that's the thing. I, I, if they want a phone, they got to they gotta start spreading it. <laughs> yeah, and we're not free, folks. No, no. It's gonna cost uh, you something. My time is valuable. We're not a soup kitchen. You have know, to pay the pipe. You got to pay for it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're not a soup kitchen, yeah. folks. Yeah, we don't we don't give it up that easy here at Talking Terror. Soup and tacos. Uh, sure, that's right. We like soup and tacos. Yes, we do. That is so right. we we will we will accept right. that. So no, that's very very fucking soup cool. Ceviche. I know, uh, just as, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, the, the, that's so amazing on the Instagram page. I know the Facebook page, I think, has 1,900-plus followers, uh, so that's fucking cool. I know we reached about 7,000 people just this week uh, with my posts, so that's fucking amazing. So keep it up on the Facebook page. Keep it up on the Instagram page. Talking Terror Organization is growing. We're in your house. No, really not, but we could be. You don't know. Like Check the page. AIDS. I guess we're not AIDS yet. We're more like crabs, you know. Like we're still in like that lower portion. We can be treated. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> no. Where you can we, we hope to eventually. No. Eventually, hope to get that's to the, the goal. Eighth, uh, eighth level, but we're not that, there yet. That's the goal. Yeah. Right now, we're just we're very treatable with some sprays and creams, but we want to get up to that one where it's just like, oh shit, yeah, it's terminal. Yeah, we want to get to that one. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? 2023, we could get there. But all right, Dean. So moving on from the successes of Instagram, where are we at with our news? What do we got? So this is what I have. And we talked about this recently, so I'm going to update you once again. But uh, 20th Century Studio President Steve Azdell has said that absolutely this year, uh, Avatar 2 uh, will premiere uh, on December 16th, 2023. 
2022, he says that it is going to blow people away and that he is confident that even with the time lapse between this and the first film, that the marketing people will be able to pump up the audience and more and will reignite the passion for the original film. Uh, so the second in the Avatar series coming December 16th this year, uh, the third one December 20th next year, uh, but then a three-year gap with the fourth one coming on December 18th, 2026, uh, and then the fifth and final one December 22nd, 2028. Uh, so uh, four more uh, films in the next six years. Uh, I will stand by my statement that I think this is going to be a colossal flop, uh, but only time uh, will tell us if that is going to take place. Let's see. I want to talk. And we will see where Avatar lands. All right. What's next, Steve? Uh, I will tell you what next. Uh, Stephen King has announced uh, that he has finished a novel about the character uh, Holly Gibney of, uh, from Mrs. Mercedes and The Outsider. Uh, and even though his mm-hmm. next book coming out is called Fairy Tale, coming September 6th, uh, the, the next one after that will be uh, this novel that is simply uh, titled Holly, uh, which currently has no release date. Stephen King was speaking to the hosts of the KingCast podcast, and he said, and I quote, I could never let Holly go. Uh, She was supposed to be just a walk-on character, but she stole the book and my heart. So I finished a novel called Holly, and it's all her, man. Uh, So if you all out there know who that character is and you're a fan of that character, uh, you can be looking forward to a whole novel uh, featuring that character. All right. Dedicating one to one. So that's pretty cool. You know, with King, there's never a stopping point for him. He's always going to keep creating. So, hey, listen, if you want to make a one-off about a character, go ahead and do it. I don't know if I'll read it because I'm not a fan of her character. But the Outsider was pretty good. You know, she was good in The Outsider and uh, Mr. Mercedes, and she's also on the TV series that they have. I think it's on Hulu. Um, so we'll see what happens with that book. All right, so what else do you got? Yes, we will. Uh, I will tell you what else we got. King, on our Talking Terror show, you are the preeminent fan of all things Amityville. And I wanted yes. to ask you uh, if your excitement is growing for the July 22 release of the next Amityville film, uh, Amityville in Space. Uh, I am. And, um, and uh, <laughs> this is being billed as the ultimate battle against Amityville, uh, against the, Amity- the ultimate battle against Amityville curse, um, the infamous murder house is exercised from Earth and reappears in outer space. Um, it does. You know, this will be directed by Mark Polonia. Uh, but anyway, King, what are your thoughts on Amityville in space? I don't often like to just announce, oh, hey, this movie's coming out, unless there's some interesting detail. But since you're such a fan of all things Amityville, I, I had to get your opinion. Oh, of course. I mean, I posted the trailer on the Talking Terror Facebook page, which you can find it there. And I'm a fan of, of John Polonia and his brother Mark, who passed away, because they did some really great SOV horror back in the 80s and 90s that uh, I love. So when I heard he was directing it, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm kind of in because I am a fan of his. The trailer is just absolute fucking bonkers bullshit. I just, it's one of those movies that I can't wait to watch just because of how silly it looks and how just out there it is. Because the Amityville 
line of movies have just never been the same since the first two. Like, after part two, they just go for whatever fucking sticks. And they'll slap well, Amityville on it, and people will watch it. Well, here's the thing, and, I, and, I, and I, I for real learned this fact when I was reading about Amityville in space, that apparently anybody who wants to in any capacity uh, can mm-hmm. make an Amityville film. Uh, and the reason sure. for that is because, uh, you know, whether the original people uh, that made up the story about the original Amityville house, whether they made that up or it was true, uh, Amityville is a real town uh, with a real yep. house. Uh, and the murders, the actual murders that took place are considered historical events. And uh, mm-hmm. these true events and locations cannot be considered intellectual property, uh, so they can't be subject to studio ownership. So anybody can make an Amityville film uh, of any yeah, kind. Correct. Um, yep. So uh, which leads me to my next question, King. I was curious, uh, you know, if you saw the 2020 Amityville vibrator, uh, where a character named Kathy moves into a home and soon comes into contact with a vibrator with ancient evil powers. Yep, I've seen that one. It's not, it's not the worst one, but it's definitely a lot of fun because they just take a lot of liberties with using that vibrator that's cursed and in that house. Um, Sadie Tate's really good in that. That's uh, Nathan Lanier, I believe, who directed it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where at this point, like you had said, there's no official IP for Amityville, so you could literally do anything. I mean, there's Amityville Mount Misery, there's Vanishing Point, there's Evil Never Dies, there's Amityville Horror, there's Amityville Harvest. Evil Never there's Dies. There's also Amityville No, Col- it dies tonight. It doesn't. It really doesn't. So, you know, with that IP not existing, yeah, you can make a literally a movie about anything you want just concerning Amityville. Amityville Cult was actually pretty good. But, yeah, Amityville Vibrator takes place in the 70s, and it's just, it's off the wall bad shit. A lot of hot chicks in that movie. So, Google, you might want to check that out. <laughs> if you're looking to waste, like, a Saturday, you know, and hot check out a bad shit movie with a bunch of hot chicks in the Amityville house, you might like it. Mm-hmm. Wise words. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We'll certainly uh, think about it. I'm, yeah. I've avoided I'm almost all the Amityville's that, so. except for, like, the first movie. And, and I watched the remake, and, and that's about, you know, and I know I've seen the second one, and I remember seeing 3D. Uh, might have even seen 3D in 3D at a drive-in in the uh, in the 80s. Um, but uh, but aside from that, yeah, I've, uh, I've I've steadily maneuvered my myself away from the majority of the Amityville movies because it just uh, every one of them just seems worse than the next. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's you're not looking for quality when you're watching one of the Amityville movies that takes place after Part Three where they just go completely off the wall. And they're like, we'll just, we're just going to do fucking anything. And we'll call it Amityville. I mean, there's, there's a couple of them that don't even take place in the house. They just call it Amityville, and it's just a horror movie. So it, it's wild, you know, what they, <clears throat> they try to do to sell this movie. And if you put Amityville on it, a lot of people are going to be like, all right, I'll see that. You know, because it's probably Amityville art, and it's not. It's just a horror movie with the name tapped onto it. So it's kind of like those Hellraiser movies that came, uh, took place after part three where it's like, clearly this isn't a Hellraiser movie anymore. It's just the fact that they wanted to put Pinhead in the movie. <laughs> what is going on? Like, this isn't a Hellraiser movie anymore. It's like, all right, so we have Pinhead. We have a script. So let's just cobble it together and, and release it. So that's what happened with the Amityville franchise. It's like, yeah, we got the property. Let's make it work. And, and it does. For have it. You just, don't be looking for any gold in those hills when it comes to the Amityville movies. 
just go into them watching a fucking silly movie. And like I've said uh, many times, sometimes that's just what I need. I just need to watch a silly fucking horror movie, you know, to kind of clear the, pal- the palate after I watch all these movies. I just need a dumb one. So there you have it, like Dean said. So what's next? I will tell you what's next. Uh, the fine folks over at Onset Cinema, which have hosted, uh, which they have hosted many uh, screenings of all kinds of genre films at the filming locations of said films, are uh, recreating uh, Bates High School uh, at the Hermosa Beach Community Gym in California uh, on July 30th, 2022. And uh, the reason that they're choosing to do this is because the Hermosa, Hermosa Beach Community Gym uh, in Hermosa Beach, California, is uh, the filming location for the original film Carrie. Uh, so uh, they are retransforming it into the Bates High School gym, and they are hosting a prom night uh, featuring special guest William Cat. Uh, this event uh, will feature William Cat uh, signing autographs, uh, taking prom pictures. A Q&A before the screening of the original Carrie film. There's going to be music, uh, silver stars, dancing, a prom photo backdrop featuring a bucket of blood, uh, and a king and queen uh, of the Carrie prom uh, costume contest. Um, so uh, if that's your thing, uh, this will be taking place July 30th, 2022, from the folks over at On Set Cinema. A chance to experience the prom just as it looked in the original Carrie film in the same gym in which the prom took place. I wish I could be out that way. That would be so fucking cool. I would go there in a second if I was out that way. That sounds like a ton of fun, you know, but uh, yeah, what a great movie. What a great setting. Yeah. I would be there in my cheesy tuxedo and taking pictures of people, but great. So if you're out that way, please go and, and, you know, maybe post your pictures on Instagram. Since we are big out that way on Instagram. So awesome. Maybe so. So what's next? Maybe so. Uh, I do want to talk about how uh, Apple, as they continue to grow their uh, library of original content, has ordered Mm -hmm. a direct series, uh, an updated take on the 1927 uh, genre film directed by Fritz Lang, Metropolis. Uh, This is going to be uh, directed by Sam Esmail. Uh, Metropolis originally was a novel in 1925 by Thea Van Harbo, uh, then Mm -hmm. turned into the famous film by Fritz Lang. Uh, And Apple has decided to uh, just forego the pilot process and go straight to series. Uh, No release date information at this time, uh, but you can be at some point looking forward to a Metropolis series on Apple TV. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to want to check that out because I love that movie. I never read the book, but I, I did love that movie. So, yeah, that, that's something that I could definitely get behind, you know, Apple TV doing that's, something cool like that. That's one of those that's, like, on my list to watch that I never go around to watching because it's so old that, like, I almost don't yeah. want to do it. Um <laughs> Because I always feel like it's like high concept, but it's just not gonna not gonna be able to to meet my expectation of what that concept is. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I'm a- absolutely fucking thrilled to to hear that they might be doing something like that. It was very cool. Yeah, I mean, and hopefully uh, it brings you to see the the original. Um, just like I thought about Nightmare Alley, 
when I saw that movie back in December, I was like, I hope people see the 1947 one too. That's worth talking about. You know, Tyrone Powers is great in that movie, but who knows if that's happening. People are checking out the original, but yeah. So hopefully you check it out and you go see the, the original and you can kind of compare and contrast, you know, because it, it is a very old movie, but I think it still holds up. You know, the, what they were doing in that movie just seems so ahead of its time. You know, Fritz Lang had just such a great eye you know, for what he wanted to create. So very cool. Hope it brings on new fans. Uh, but all right, Dean, what do you have next? I will tell you what I have next. You guys were just talking about the Batman, so I should have led with this, I suppose. But AMC theaters, AMC, the AMC theater chain, are the ones that put their foot through the door with this high-risk experiment as the AMC theater chain for the Batman introduced what they called variable ticket pricing uh, where Uh we explored giving the movie ticket a higher price uh, because of the demand uh, for the film. So uh, people seeing the Batman at AMC theaters uh, were in most cases paying $1.50 more uh, than the usual uh, movie price uh, for like a regular demand uh, theatrical movie. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there usually has to be uh, one company uh, through the door uh, for this kind of thing. This is something that has been going on with concerts and theater tickets and sporting events for quite some time uh, to varying degrees of annoyance of the fan base, especially in sports. And this actually, this variable ticket pricing, I don't know if you guys remember, I don't know, King, I know you're not a huge sports fan, Ghoul, I know you follow sports, but uh, back when Barry Bonds was continuously chasing uh, the home run records, uh, visiting teams in other cities started raising their prices uh, for the tickets when Barry Bonds was going to be in town, uh, which led to a lot of fan outcry uh, when there were times that he either was like taking a day off or on the injured list and was not playing. Uh, you know, his chase of home run records uh, was the sole reason uh, that the tickets got raised. So like in sports events, you know, that's, that's something you can't predict, but uh, not long after that, that kind of thing transitioned to, I know, like Broadway and theater. And just a couple years before COVID, uh, Ticketmaster uh, started doing variable pricing with uh, release dates and, uh, and stuff like that. So uh, AMC theaters being the first one uh, through the door uh, yeah. for movies. Good for that. In the case of mine, uh, well, what I'm going to do is I'm good. It'll make me go see less movies. (laughs) Um, That's basically (laughs) what that'll do. Uh, You know, Uh, uh huh. Like, look again. I could, I could go pay whatever it is more to see something that other people are going to see and see it that one time, or I can wait a couple of weeks and wait for it to come out digitally and buy it and own it for just a couple dollars more. Um, it's, it's kind of a no brainer in that case. Uh, as far like, you know, look, I guess it was a do- maybe it was a dollar more. I don't know. My ticket I got was like uber fucking cheap. Uh, I got mm-hmm. for like an 11 o'clock in the morning show. So it was like 30% discount right then and there that made the ticket oh, yeah. only like $10. And then I had like $5 AMC credit 
still left over from when I was on the A-list. So, like, my ticket ended up being, like, $5. I ended up getting, like, an extra ticket because that came with me. So that was, like, another 10 bucks. Mm. So altogether, $15, and we both went to the movie. Um, but, again, that was an 11 a.m. movie, uh, which, you know, that, that's – not going to always be the case that I'm going to want to go at 11 a.m. I, I don't know what the afternoon or evening pricing uh, even look like. I didn't bother checking. Uh, I, I, I hope to eventually get my A-list back, um, but as of right now, again, it's just so inconsistent with uh, there's too much space in between the time for movies that I want to see for right. me to justify yeah. spending like 26 to $27 a month when I'm only, only going to go see one or two of those movies. Uh, I, I just don't feel I feel like the lull in time and, and getting comfortable at home during COVID kind of made me want to go to the theater less uh, overall. Mm-hmm. So I will we'll see if that changes at, at any point. I know like for me, the next movie I want to see in theater is uh, I, I forget if Morbius comes out first or if uh, the new Dr. Strange comes out first, but which, whichever Morbius one that, that'll first. be what I want to see. Yeah. Morbius is first uh, as far as I know, but at the same time, you know, AMC, you know, the, the CEO of AMC said it worked overseas, you know, and it could work here. But at the same time, you know what? Around here in Pennsylvania, where I'm from, they only have, like, mom-and-pop theaters. Like, yeah, there's a Regal, but there's also Penn Cinema. There's also a real cinemas. So, yeah, I'm just going to go there where their prices are just the same as they've ever been. They haven't raised their prices yet. Um, so I'm going to go there. I mean, I'll be at the theater next week to go see Ty West's uh, X which, like I've said on the show, is Boogie Nights meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, yeah, I'll be there next week to see X. Uh, I just, I'm loving being back in the theater. So as soon as that was announced, it was going to be in March. I was like, all right. I hope so. So um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just having a great time being back in the theater. Like I saw Studio 666 last uh, weekend before. So I'm having a great time being at the theater again. And I, as soon as the movies come out, I'm going to go see them. But I'm not going to pay an extra dollar fifty. I'll just wait till it gets onto digital. But luckily, I haven't had that problem yet. So, sticking to the mom and pops, giving it to the way it should be. So, AMC, let's see if it works. Let's see if your experiment uh, pays off and people pay that extra. So, with that being said, Dean, what's next? I will tell you what's next. Uh, as we uh, recently talked about in this portion of our show, how Creepshow on the Shutter, the series on the Shutter Network, is uh, also yeah. going to go for a season four. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the collective Talking Terror Library can be looking forward now to adding Creepshow from script to screen, uh, the new coffee table book uh, that is in oh, production. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is going to be a behind the scenes. Uh, coffee table book, uh, Shutter's Creep Show from script to screen. Uh, it's a combination effort between uh, Cartel Entertainment and Striker Entertainment, uh, uh, with uh, work in this book from Greg Nicotero. Uh, it's going to be uh, featuring a forward by horror enthusiast and Metallica lead guitarist Kirk Hammett. Uh, there is currently no release date, page count, price information, but this coffee table book is in production. Ooh, yep, I'm just going to be added to my collection. So there's that. <laughs> Another coffee table book. Excellent. Yes. Oh, very cool. So, All right. right. Moving um, on from Creepshow, what's next? Yeah. Uh, moving on from Creepshow, a uh, couple of items from the fine folks over at Full Moon Features. 
Uh, first, of course. Uh, the original, uh, you know, not that this is huge news because it's in a lot of places, but the original Reanimator film uh, is going to be hitting the Full Moon Features streaming service, Full Moon Features. Uh, and actually, I apologize, it uh, just hit uh, the streaming service, oh. uh, you know, this past Friday, March 4th. But uh, to celebrate the arrival, because I didn't know this, but, um, excuse me, uh, Full Moon has done two uh, two uh, reanimator-related uh, features, uh, a Lovecraft uh, Stuart Gordon tribute called uh, Miskatonic Miska U. Uh, mm-hmm. And the resonator, Miskatonic U, the resonator, and the new one is beyond the resonator, which is going to be reintroducing the character of Herbert West uh, to celebrate the arrival of the original reanimator on their streaming service. Uh, they have put together a one-hour uh, reunion special uh, that is going to be featuring reanimator stars Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton. Uh, as well as original reanimator producer, I didn't know this, original reanimator producer, Charles Band, who was the founder of Full Moon uh, Films. Uh, I did not know Correct. that. So uh, tying it all together. So that's one piece of the Full Moon uh, news. And uh, in a previous episode of the show, I believe my last appearance on the show, I talked about how uh, they have announced the final film in the Evil Bong series. Uh, but mm-hmm. Uh, Full <laughs> Films has announced their newest feature, uh, which is going to be hitting uh, their streaming service and their Amazon channel this spring, which is uh, directed by Jim Wodorski, the director of Chopping Mall. But this is going to be titled Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. Uh, so, uh, you know, you can always count on <laughs> those guys over at Full Moon Features for some, for some fun and creative and unique uh, titles. And uh, you can look forward to Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. Cam yeah, that Girl. One and... You said Ham, ham yeah. Girl. I was like, Cam, cam Girl. Cam, not cam. What the, what is, what the yeah, fuck is a Ham Girl? <laughs> exactly. That's what yeah, I was no. fucking wondering. Cam and you're girl. like, oh, yeah, you know, look at them coming up with a creative fucking thing. And I'm like, what the fuck is a Ham Girl? Like Ham Hands Bill. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's Cam Girl. So, yeah, they got that one. Uh, and they also have Bigfoot or Bust which is directed by Jim Wynarski, which is coming out on that channel hopefully soon, uh, both starring Lisa London from Hops and a whole bunch of other films. So looking forward to checking those out. Because I know I'm friends with Lisa London on Facebook, and she's been promoting the hell out of Attack of the 50-Foot Cam Girl. So I was like, she's just hoping that somebody watches it. I'm sure I probably will. So that is what's happening over at Full Moon. Now, uh, out of nowhere... Uh, we have talked oh. several times on this show about uh, Noah's, Noah Hawley's pursuit to, to bring an uh, alien series to Hulu, uh, but it was just mm-hmm. announced that there is also now going to be a new alien feature film uh, that is going to be created for Hulu, and uh, this is going to be created, written, and directed uh, by none other. And I always, I don't even know how to say this guy's uh, first name. I don't know if it's Fede or Fetty or whatever, but Fetty Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Fetty. Uh, of the, like Fetty Wap. Yeah, Fetty Alvarez, yes, <laughs> yeah. uh, is writing and directing uh, this, al- this alien movie for Hulu, which is currently in development with 20th Century Studios. Uh, this is going to be an an original standalone feature with Ridley Scott producing. Uh, Right now, the plot is being kept under wraps, but apparently 
uh, Alvarez pitched an idea for an alien film to Ridley Scott years ago. And apparently Ridley Scott called him up last year and said, Hey, that idea you had, maybe we should, maybe we should do that. So uh, not only is this Noah Hawley alien series in production, but uh, you can now be looking forward to a new film in the alien franchise. Hmm. Very fascinating. Okay. Yep. Very, looking forward very to seeing what develops. Yeah, if, if Fetty's behind it, I'm, I'm kind of there just because I, I like what he did with Evil Dead. So we'll see what he does with Alien. So that's what's and uh, speaking of Fede Alvarez, who did, uh, if I'm correct, direct the Evil Dead uh, remake, uh, he did? coming. Uh, in the universe of toys, you can be looking forward uh, to the uh, Evil Dead 40th Anniversary Ash figure from the fine folks over at NECA, or NECA, or however you say that one, uh, N-E-C-A. Uh, this Ash That's figure is going to come in VHS-style packaging. It's going to feature three different heads, extra hands, a tape recorder, a lantern, an axe, a shotgun, a chainsaw. Uh, there is no release date yet. Uh, they were originally st- stating that this was going to be released early 2022, but now they're saying that uh, production is running a bit behind, so just be patient if you're looking to get your hands on the Ultimate Ash 40th anniversary figure. Mm-hmm. That's going to be an automatic buy for me. Can't wait to get that on my shelf. <laughs> the packaging looks great. The figure looks great. Uh, like I said previously, this isn't Evil Dead 2 Ash. This isn't Army of Darkness. This is the first one. But he was the barely a hero one. in that movie. He was barely just trying to survive in that movie. You know, but it's, uh, it's Bruce Gamble. So how could you, you know, not want to get that and display it? Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and you should be. And off. Mm-hmm. And off you go. And he's gone. Did you make, did you make him vanish? I don't know. Did my, my excitement yeah, over Ash make him disappear? I, I guess, guess it did. so, man. Or, 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 or did you I, just I was hit the so button? Excited. <laughs> and unfortunately, I, I, there he goes. So. I, no, no, I, I, okay, no, he came back. He's back. Oh, he's back. back. I, don't, I don't know what happened. Like, I just, I, I just oh, got booted. But as I was saying, if you were looking forward to playing with your toys, uh, you know, oh, I did want to let you know that this summer – from the folks over at Trick or Treat Studios, uh, there is going to be uh, one-sixth scale figures uh, featuring yeah. the roles uh, that Christopher Lee played for Hammer, including his seven appearances as Dracula, as well as his appearance as the 1957 film The Curse of Frankenstein. So there's going to be uh, Christopher Lee, Dracula, and Frankenstein figures uh, from Trick or Treat Studios that you can look forward to this summer, uh, the summer of 2022. And not only that, they're also releasing the Michael Myers from Halloween H2O, Halloween Resurrection, and also a Dr. Loomis from the original Halloween, one-sixth figures. Uh, so they're also releasing uh, Weatherface from 2, 3, and the remake. So, yeah, Trick or Studios is going all in with these uh, one-sixth scale figures. Um, I'm still waiting on my two-pack from Big Bad Toys of Michael and Dr. Loomis. So hopefully the supply chain issues clear up because I'm fucking waiting. I've ordered it back in November, still haven't gotten it. So they said it's going to be this month, so we'll see. But I really need my Dr. Loomis and Michael figures to arrive so I can order more toys. 
when these one six scale figures come out. There you have it from the King of Horror playing with his toys. I mean, hey, I, I listen, any Dr. Loomis figures I'll take because that's a hard one to find. So I'll definitely take, you know, those and, and whatever else they come from. And the Hammer ones look cool, too. I posted those on the uh, Talking Terror page. Uh, so Tricky Studios. But those figures, I mean, they're, they're at least $100 a piece because they put a lot of details into them. So it's kind of like pick and choose because they don't, they don't uh, charge like NECA does, which is like 40 bucks for an ultimate figure. You know, they, they want their money because they put a lot of detail into it. So, yeah, kind of like what, what can you afford? So, that, but it's awesome. Show me the so, money. I mean, I'm a huge fan of things. I mean, my, my apartment is littered with figures and of all different kinds from all different franchises. So just got to keep building and hopefully find more space. But, right. So after that announcement, what else do you have, Dean? Uh, I will tell you what else I have. Um, while I know that uh, I am one of the people out there that is hmm. still uh, watching uh, the Walking Dead. I know the middle section of this long final season uh, started airing three weeks ago, and I haven't watched yet, but uh, it's an all probability mm-hmm. that I'm going to at least patch myself up with the first one, maybe the first two this evening. Right. Uh, I have, and I think uh, I think the ghoul as well has voiced displeasure in their uh, the Walking Dead organization's previous announcement uh, concerning a Carol and Daryl spinoff, because what that does uh, with these remaining episodes is lets you know that uh, these characters are safe characters that are going to survive uh, this current uh, version of the show. Uh, One of the things that made The Walking Dead so compelling for its first many seasons is that uh, without thinking that like Rick was actually going to go, but that, uh, you know, pretty much any other character uh, was fair game at any time. And for them to make the announcement that there's going to be a Carol and Daryl spinoff, and they made this announcement quite some time ago, uh, you know, you know that no matter what those characters get into, uh, that the suspense of whether or not they're really going to make it out or if one of them is going to go is taken out of the equation, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, but now mm-hmm. uh, The yeah. Walking Dead has gone ahead and replicated uh, this uh, this strategy by announcing that there is also going to be a spinoff featuring the characters of Maggie and Negan. Uh, this hmm. spinoff is going to be called The Walking Dead Isle of the Dead, and it's going to feature Negan and Maggie somehow uh, ending up in a post-apocalyptic Manhattan, uh, the crumbling city that is not only filled with the dead, uh, but Denzians who have made New York City their own with all of the uh, horror, uh, terror, and beauty uh, that can exist in such a place. So, uh, you know, you can be looking forward to seeing episodes of this as early as the summer of 2023, uh, but I just thought I would let us know about that because that news has been making the rounds uh, through all of the usual uh, channels over the past couple of days. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I heard about it. And, I mean, I haven't been caught up with The Walking Dead in, in quite some time, so I don't know what's going on with the show. Uh, I saw the announcement, and I was like, I guess she's cool with the fact that Nikki killed her husband. Eh, all right. So we'll do a, a spinoff, you know, and then – Figure it out, I guess. I don't know. 
I mean, I, I don't, you know, hopefully fans like it. I know that they're going to New York City in the spinoff, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I figure, you know, you killed Glenn, her husband, and, and father of her child, so I don't know if I'd want to go a buddy route. And now but, they want to. So, uh, you, you gotta, you uh, gotta, you gotta keep in mind, King, and I feel that uh, that is a situation that continues to be explored, and with you not being up to date. Uh, and yeah. you know, I don't want to sit here and get into all of the nitty gritty and the details of everything that's going on right no, now. Because right. That can be a whole other show on its own. Uh, but that is yeah. something that the show uh, is not like just sweeping away and taking lightly. Uh, it is. Okay. Uh, and for the last batch of eight episodes to start this final season uh, was uh, a large part of the storyline. So, and, and okay. what route, what route the character arc of Negan has gone uh, since probably last you've been watching, uh, also has been a large part of the storyline. So uh, there are a lot of things there that do make sense, but unless you're up to date on what's going on, it wouldn't necessarily make sense. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I've, it's been quite some time. So I'm hoping to catch up one of these days, you know, and they explain it and they treat it well. So I'm hopefully, you know, get that explanation. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But at the same time, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's a buddy, you know, co-op and uh, well. Hopefully they, they make it work. But I think like The Walking Dead, it's like, eh, it's kind of, you know, run its course. But they, they well, well, here, want to well, make well, these spin-offs. Well, here's the thing. And uh, I know there was a period of time uh, where the ghoul had a similar thought, but uh, there was definitely like a, a, a little bit of a lull for quite some time. But it's the, the show definitely, you know, no, is it as, as, is it as compelling and must-watch television as it was over the first few right. seasons? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But they have certainly righted the ship and have continued to, you know, make entertaining television with strong storylines with, you know, not every single episode feeling like a must watch, a must watch experience. Uh, but they certainly, uh, after a, a, a definite lull, have, have gotten things back on track to be an entertaining series. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I trusted what you both said. I mean, I don't know. Plus, you got the, the Rick Grimes movies that are going to be coming. So it's. You know, I don't know. I just think that I think Walking Dead's reached its course. You know, they end the series. I, that's great. It's done. But yeah, go ahead, go. I'm sorry. I think the Whisperer storyline and everything was fantastic. But I'm not gonna lie, man. I dropped out this season. You know, like I, I we could not, we could, it could not keep our attention. You know, anytime we had it on, it was like there were times where it was becoming like almost just background noise more than anything else was not like or not liking a lot, not liking a lot of the characters they were bringing in, not liking a lot of the, 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 the way and the, the directions, the stories were going. I just, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just, like I said, we, we dropped out before the first half of the season finished. I think we have like one or two episodes to go might even be one. And it's like one of those where we, where we don't have something to watch. We're like, oh, hey, these are the things that we need to go and watch. And we're like, oh, we have that one last episode of the, you know, uh, of the, the, the Walking Dead. And we always end up finding something else to watch before we go to that. Are you talking about, like, the, that first batch of eight episodes from this current long season? Or are you talking about these first three right now? No, no, no. The first batch of, of the first third of the season. Okay. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, all right. So, yeah, with that being said, do you have anything else you want to talk about, Dean, uh, before we get into the movie for tonight? Uh, 
Um, you know, there was a lot of items on the list this week, and I'm pretty sure uh, that I have covered all of them. So I think okay. we are good to move on to the next portion of this episode of Talking Terror. It's going to be a stream, uh, baby. Yeah. Come, all right. Come on, cool. guys. All right. We'll, we'll, be back after, we'll be back after these messages. Okay. So you need to step away, Google. Okay. That's fine. <clears throat> Let's get to the messages. And uh, not talk about what we want to talk about. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Dean, how are you doing? You doing okay? Oh, I am. I am just fine. Uh, King, thank you for asking. Uh, that's a very nice question, and your concern about my well-being and, and my feelings is uh, it's, it's nice to hear. But I'm I'm doing okay. I'm hanging in there. Everything seems to be fine right now. Thank you. And how about yourself? I'm doing okay. But how was Yosemite? Was it good? Fun? Oh, it was a wonderful trip. Look, uh, you know, this this was, uh, you know, with the different roles that I have at my job, this was like my trip. Like I was the like I was the person right. in charge uh, with my 33 middle schoolers uh, spread between wow, okay, sixth, seventh great. and eighth grade and, you know, had a lot of moving parts and a lot of things to manage. But uh, overall, ultimately, it was an it was an awesome time. Uh, kids had a great experience aside from the, the totally expected uh, minor uh, examples of teen drama. Uh, everything everything went as good as it could have done. And Yosemite is a stunning beautiful Yeah, I've never been. Heard it's great. You know, and luckily nobody stayed behind to get killed by Michael Myers like they did in Halloween H2O. When you had that Yosemite trip that everybody wanted to go on, except for John Tate and his girlfriend and their friends. So at least everything went well. well he- Evil died tonight, so it was good. Welcome back, commercial over. All right, cool. Uh, this is your pick for tonight's screen, 2022. Why don't you get into it and uh, get a plot synopsis, what you thought, and we're going to kick this thing off. Uh, scream from 2022. Uh, the fifth film in a franchise that, that started back in the, uh, the mid-'90s. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a tongue-in-cheek classic horror film that revitalized the slasher and horror genre as a whole has been, you know, plagued and bastardized as all franchises have been with subpar sequels, which just progressively got worse. Uh, and then they, uh, they took a long break. And uh, I think we had what, like since 2011 was the last, uh, was when Scream 4 came out, something like that. So yeah. So here, here we are now, uh, 11, 11 years later, and uh, yeah. mm-hmm. 2013. No, that wasn't 2013, no, I'm man. Wrong, that man. had to have been it's right. It's 2011. Yeah, it's 2011. Come on, man. You think you're the king of horror? You're not the only one that knows things. I know stuff. It was you a... know. I know karate. <laughs> hey, Jack, it's my big dick, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> so, so anyway, here we are, 11 years later. You know, the, the the people have come up with a story and they said, hey, you know what? It's time to bring Scream back to the uh, back to the forefront with all these other other films that are are just going the route of a reboot, but not necessarily a reboot, more like a sequel. So this is or a requel for all intents and purposes or a requel, whatever fucking term they wanted to come up with. Man, <laughs> you know, I know you saw this in theaters. And when you saw this I in did. theaters, you were like, "What?" Yeah, you had fairly good things to say about it. Um, I did. 
I didn't see this in theaters. I don't want to say I have bad things to say about it. I just don't have good things to say about it either. Um, That's okay, too. <laughs> you know, the, the, two of the, the girls were pretty. and that, that, that's, that's, that's about the extent mm-hmm. of what I'm going to go with, because really <laughs> everything else about this film is exactly, exactly what I don't like about yep. reboots. So, like, if, they're, if, they're entire, I... if their entire being here was to say, hey – you know, all those things about reboots that people hate? Well, that's what we're going to put in our movie. Well, that's exactly what they put in their movie. So if that was the joke, I get the joke. I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Dean, what did you think about Scream? Uh, I had mixed feelings about it. I just want to preface this by saying that I did not actually see ever uh, see the fourth Scream film. So uh, that was uh, an episode of this uh, long-running franchise that I did miss. Um, and with that being said, even though I never really was like, oh, I should go back and watch the fourth one before I watched the fifth one, I was feeling, uh, I don't know, like a little bit like kind of looking forward to this. And, and maybe it's because, uh, you know, we have been talking about it so much on the show in the first segment of our mm-hmm. show in the run up with all the different details and casting and plot announcements and all of this. Uh, but, you know, overall, my feelings were mixed. I will say that, uh, you know, seeing the legacy characters really... Uh, you know, reminded me for as to how long this franchise has been in our lives. Uh, yeah. Uh, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and uh, Nev Campbell, Neve Campbell, Nave Campbell, uh, however you say it, uh, having trouble with names this yes. evening, uh, looking like so old, you know, and I know they are, but like, it's a moment, I'm like, man, like this, this, this film has. You know, this series has been in, 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 in our lives for 25 fucking years with some of these same characters uh, the whole time, you know, which is not often the case, except for like a masked killer. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, there were things that I liked. There were things that I, that I didn't like. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about that uh, as our episode here progresses. But, yeah, my feelings for, for this version of Scream are, are mixed. Mm-hmm. And, and like the Gullet said, this was my first visit back to the theater after I got my pop-ups car. I was like, my first visit to the theater is going to be Scream 2022. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not going into it with high expectations. I just want to have a good time. Uh, to me, this is my favorite after part two. Like part three and part four, part four is good. But I felt like this one was a little bit better than part four and definitely better than part three. Like part three, I think we can all agree. It's, just, it's not good. Um, I yeah, I like, have to say, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, ba- based based on that comment, um, you know, I know 100% guaranteed uh, that I saw part three, and my memories of it are like that it was pretty shitty, uh, which probably yeah. led to my not wanting to see part four. But I I barely barely remember it or remember why it was so shitty. But my memories of it was like, oh man, that was kind of fucking shitty. It was. And, you know, do I have problems with this movie? I absolutely do. The third act of this movie, they are way too on the nose with horror fans. You know, like, I felt like they were almost insulting you at a certain point. Like, oh, you don't like things? Well, that's fucked up. And we're going to show you why it's not okay to just be like, I hate this. So I had a problem with the third act. Um, But overall, you know, this is the first one that wasn't directed by Wes Craven. And I do like that they paid respect to Wes in a couple of ways, you know, in this movie, and we'll get into it. Um, but kicking this movie off, 
Sarah Carpenter, played by Jenny Ortega, is home alone, and she receives a call on the house's landline, and she's like, fuck it. I'm talking to my friend Amber on text. I'm not going to answer that landline. Amber, come over. Liquor cabinet's open. And she finally decides she's going to answer the phone, and Ghostface introduces himself as Charlie. And he's looking for her mom, Christina, from group. Uh, But it was funny to me. This Ghostface in this movie, he's, like, fucking super chatty. You know, he's like, hey, what's going on? You doing all right? Yeah, anyway, I know your mom, you know, from group. I'm Charlie, and your mom's Christina. Anyway, kind of cool. Uh, you, you doing okay? <clears throat> and, of course, Tara is, is not really sure what to think about it. And then he decides to ask her what her scary movie is, what her favorite scary movie is. And she says, The Babadook, because it's elevated horror. It's not like that stupid <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, okay, stop it. Yeah, but like, that's, what the, that's what the right. kids these days are talking about, man. <laughs> yep. I was like, the Baba Duke. And he's like, what are you talking about? Oh, it's elevated horror. He's like, I don't think that's very good. And she's like, oh, it is. It really is, because I would rather talk about that than some boring slasher movie. It's a meditation. And throughout the conversation. So yeah, it's, a, it's a meditation he, on pregnancy and all kinds of other female things. <laughs> uh, I, you know, like, listen, and I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I do understand that there's this, this big argument out there right now because there's this, this huge contingency of people that, that, that want to look at these horror films and they want them to be more than just slashers. You know, but, but this, this, one, I can't stand the term of elevated horror. But it's We've like, been over it you know, like time it, and time it, again. It, it's, it's, we have. It's almost insulting because it's like, you guys, it it's is. not like yeah. these movies that are coming out are the first fucking films that were smart horror movies. There have been right. smart horror movies coming out for fucking years. It's just now you guys <laughs> come up with a fucking, you know, some kind of new term for it just to fucking capitalize on, on, on a market so that this way you can be like, oh, well, it's, you know, that, it's like their excuse for when something's bad. Oh, you're just not woke enough, man. Oh, it was an elevated movie. I right. just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like hereditary. Like, yeah. no, it's not a matter of I didn't get it. <laughs> like, I get hereditary. I do. Yeah. I just have enough of my own fucking family problems to want to watch a movie about a bunch of disturbing family fucking issues. You know, like, believe me, I lived with it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if my fucking mother came fucking crawling around on the ceiling of my fucking house one day with fucking, like, <laughs> tongue coming out and all kinds of weird shit. It wouldn't, I would, it wouldn't even, it would flash to my head for a second. I'd be like, yep, that it fucking makes so much sense. Um, mm-hmm. so, but, but, you know, as far as that goes, like, I don't know. It, for me, like, Hereditary and, like, The Exorcist are almost like the same fucking movie in a lot of ways. It's just yeah. I like The Exorcist yeah. yep. more. You know? And, like, that's, yeah. That's, I, I, it's I like, agree. hey, when did... You know, like, ah, uh, so th- this whole talky, talky, talky fucking, like you said, oh, you're not fucking talking. having a, a conversation with her, man. <laughs> like, look, one of my favorite things of the Scream movies, since seeing the first fucking movie in 1996, sitting there in a fucking theater, you know, as a as an 18-year-old, or, yeah, I guess I was like 18, 19 years old when the first one fucking came out, was the fact that you just got fucking right to the business, man. You yeah, know what? Right Crazy yep. fucking scene. Yeah. Little bit of combo just to talk about horror movies. Quick, bang, bang, mm-hmm. bang. Holy shit, Casey's getting gutted. There goes Drew Barrymore. Where yeah. the fuck did that girl come from? You know, boom, her career came <laughs> yeah. back. But no, instead, instead, we not only have to deal with all of this conversation, we have to deal with getting robbed 
of the fucking best part. It's not even a murder scene because she fucking survives. No. And which is I'm getting to. So, yeah, what, what I did like about this scene, aside from, you know, the whole app where she could lock her doors and Ghostface is like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to unlock those doors too, um, is the fact that he's like, well, have you seen the Stab movie? She's like, yeah, the first one, I think. You know, it wasn't that great. And he's like, well, we're going to play a fucking game. And your friend Amber, yeah, check out the video. I'm right outside her fucking house. If you don't answer these questions correct, I'm going to kill her. So, of course, she's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, all right. Uh, I haven't seen these movies. I don't even know. And he starts to ask her the questions, like, who is the hero of Stab? Well, it's Sydney. Okay, great. All right, moving on to the next one. That was a test. And then he goes through these questions that she gets right. But also, she has the capability of fucking going on Google. <laughs> Look up the answers and go on IMDb yes, and be like, oh, shit, that's right. You know, and I love the fact that they integrated that into the, the whole question sequence of her being able to fucking Google the shit. And she's still fucking wrong because she forgets that there's two killers in stat. It's billions do. Which is a nice callback to the first film in which she calls Jason Voorhees and she was wrong by the detail of the fact that it was Jason's mother. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I did enjoy that part of the sequence. Like, when we got to the, to the callback part of it, where it is, you know, full-on reboot or requel, where we're, we're playing the game, we're asking the questions, but the fact that now that it's, uh, it's super meta, you know what I mean? So, like, this is, this is elevated at its, at its fucking finest, you know? We're not only in the world, but we're in the world talking about the characters within a movie... Right that's taking place within the <laughs> yeah. world of this movie. So, like, it's layered, mm-hmm. man. It's fucking deep, deep layers right there. Boom, 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 boom. You would think that if, uh, if the Stab movies were being made based on the shit that was going on, they would have changed the names of those, uh, of those people. You would think so, but they don't. Yeah. But it's fine. So It would um, be like Cynthia, the... you know, Cynthia <laughs> fucking yeah. Ab- Abscott or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's something weird because they do show the movie later, and I'm like, how is it Randy? But at the same time. Uh, so she gets that question wrong, goes <laughs> face attacks her, slashes her on the stomach, you know, and, and she's trying to survive. I like the fact that Ghostface isn't fucking around in this movie. Like when he attacks her, he breaks her fucking ankle. You see the bone come out of yeah, her, yeah, her ankle. Yeah, on the ankle. And, and the, uh, just, the, the, yeah. I was just saying, like, like, the, like the stabbing actions were, were, were more brutal in this go-round also. They were. They were more vicious. They were more just like, I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm going to do it. So, he, you know, he cuts her ankle by breaking it, and then he goes in for the kill as you hear the police sirens in the background. But like the goal said, we're going to see her later. So you get the stab action. We cut to the screen title card, and then we go to Modesto, and we see Sam, who is Tara's sister, working in a bowling alley with her boyfriend, Richie, played fucking great by Jack Wade of The Boys, Huey. It's Huey. Showing up in this movie as her boyfriend. I fucking love the casting. I was here for it. Um, she gets a call from Tara's friend, Wes, who, who says, hey, listen, Tara was attacked, and it was somebody in a ghost face mask. She survived. She's in the hospital. You need to come home. She's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. All right, I, I guess I got to go home. And Jack's like, all right. You know, I keep saying Jack, but it's Richie. Um, I will go with you. And Richie, playing the good boyfriend, decides to go with her. I love the fact that he doesn't have the quote-unquote knowledge of Stab. You know, throughout this movie where he's watching it on fucking Hulu, and he's like, I'm, I'm on Netflix. I'm watching Stab. i got to watch them all. i got to be prepared. Um, but we yeah. cut to Woodsboro High, 
Um, we meet Wes. We meet the twins, Chad and Mindy Meeks Martin, the nephew and niece of our dearly departed Randy. Rest in peace, Randy, the horror expert who tragically died in, in uh, Scream 2. Some shrine um, they had meet... to him up on that wall, man. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> so we also meet Amber Freeman, who is a close friend of Tara, and we meet Chad's girlfriend, Liv. Um, and they are all kind of just talking about what happened and, and, you know, what could occur and, you know, who it could be a suspect. And we also meet Vince, played by Kyle Gallner, who you might know from the Nightmare on Elm Street remake and Haunting of Connecticut. Completely different from what I remember him as because he has that fucking greasy hair and goatee and he's standing by the muscle car and he's like, hey, what's up, babe? Want to come hang out? Mm-hmm. Chad's like, hey, man, you want me to kick his ass? She's like, nah, I'm good. I guess just, yeah. you know, he's a, not. He's also in, like, Jennifer's body, you know, fucking. Oh, yeah. He's always, yep. you know what it is? It's just so weird. He, like, this character that he's portraying, like, again, like like you said, we've seen him in other things. And all of those oh, things, yeah. he always seems kind of, like, soft and doughy. You know what I mean? But, but here, <laughs> with the fucking mustache... And like he, oh, he, I, he yeah. felt like he was, yeah. he felt like he was playing like a douchebag role out of fucking uh, Stranger Things. You know what I mean? Like he stepped straight out <laughs> yeah. of like the 1980s in like full on yep. douche mode. Um, but but yeah, so, like so yeah, he, he was enjoyable. You know, you know what sucks, man. <laughs> I like again, I love the boys. I do. I absolutely love mm-hmm. the shit out of it. And I think Jack Quaid is fantastic. I think he's great as Yui. Unfortunately, even without knowing anything to know about Scream in general and how everything always goes with these movies, the second I saw that he was the boyfriend character, I know that he's too important of a fucking young and upcoming actor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's that's, that's one of our killers right there. There was like, you know, and I wasn't Uh, even thinking about it within the franchise of Scream. That was just thinking about it as an actor and who I was looking at. They give it to you in the fucking movie, dude. Like, Dewey says it, and we're going to get to that point. But, but, yeah, no, yeah, he's your boyfriend, he's a killer. He's just letting you know now, you know, I'm just putting it out there. But for me, it was Amber, because Amber just acted too fucking crazy. I was like, yeah, you know what, she's a killer. I was like, so, already, I got the mystery beat, so let's get to it. But um, when this is what Sam a, and one of Richie arrived. weird actresses, too. Oh, I'm sorry, not, mm-hmm. to, not to just cut in one more time on it. But, like, she was one of those, like, when I first saw her, I was like, ew, she, you know, she, she's one whose looks, like, kind of, like, break through on you all of a sudden. I'm like, wow, you know, like, I forget at what point in the movie I was like, you know, she's kind of hot, even though she's fucking batshit crazy. And then I remembered where <laughs> I knew her from because I looked okay. up on my bookshelf and there was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's, like, singing. Yep. She's one of the fucking Manson yeah, girls. Yeah. She's the nut Manson that gets girl. lit on fire. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what. Fucking, <laughs> movie, movie makers. <laughs> uh, movie, movie makers, man. They, they, they love to light her on fire, man. It's great. <laughs> they do. Uh, they do. We'll get there. Fucking, um, it was funny. Well, that, that's the problem with that scene and this actress in particular. I, I love mm-hmm. that movie. And you know, you know me. I have that habit. We put on a movie before we go yeah. to bed at night. And that's what we always mm-hmm. fall asleep to. And I would love to fall asleep to Once Upon a Time, uh, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would fucking love to. Except when that sequence occurs in the movie at the end of the film, the screaming fucking wakes me up every fucking time <laughs> without fail. 
I'll be completely out cold, only to be woken up by her fucking screaming like a fucking maniac, and all of the chaos that ensues within that final. Yo, game. homie, that's 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 what the sleep timer on the TV is for, brother. <laughs> yeah, I well, I let my my sleep timer goes the length of the films, though. I let I let it run out for the whole thing, and then this way it uh it shuts off once my my movie is done. Um, so right, you so should adjust the and, and like set it for like two hours or something, you know? Like you're not going to be up the whole time, I don't think. That's just true, but listen, man. Details, okay? <laughs> I remember your little white face. <laughs> so, Sam's <laughs> in the hospital. Sam and Richie arrive at the hospital. Sam reunites with Tara. There's introductions made, and of course, Amber's like, well, fuck you, man. What are you doing back here after all this time? You left. Like, you know, and all of a sudden you come back and you think it's going to be okay. And Tara's like, eh, eh, it's going to be okay. You know, I just need to be alone with my sister for a little while. Richie needs to catch up on some Netflix. So, you know, let's just hang out for a little while. But then we cut to a bar where apparently these teenagers are just being fucking given alcohol. So it's totally cool if they're here and playing cool. You know, they got a flask, you know, so they'll just kind of sneak some drinks. Um, and, it's you know, just talking bar. about what has happened. Um Amber is, you know, just saying that I don't like Sam. And then Mindy teases Wes as a suspect, saying everybody's a suspect. And that's when I was like, you know what? None of these friends like each other. <laughs> that's the fucking movie, they're all, they're all doing the Spider-Man fucking meme. You're the suspect. You're the suspect. You're the killer. You're the killer. Like, <laughs> they uh-huh. don't trust each other worth a fucking damn. And I just I couldn't stop laughing about it. Because I was like, are you guys friends or are you just kind of casual, you know, with what your friends are? So- um, so obviously mm-hmm. Kyle Gladys. Burnett being named, uh, you know, Wes is, is in honor of Wes Craven. Dylan, Dylan, um, Dylan. Yes. Dylan, sorry, yes, yes Dylan. Dylan Burnett, my bad. But, you know, unfortunately, again, just like Jack fucking Quaid, I know this actor from 13 Reasons Why, which I've been recently watching. So here I am looking at him going, oh, look, it's Clay. And why did Clay dye his hair like that? He looked oh, absolutely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and it just made oh, those, those like, unfor- you know. Unfortunately, what this, what this movie constantly did was remind me that there are other things that I like to watch, and I would rather be watching them, including the first Scream movie. Well, of course. Um, but we, we see Sam, uh, not Sam, uh, Vince enters the bar, and he picks a fight with Chad. And he's like, I want my girl Liz. Come on, girl, let's go. And Chad's like, you want to square up? Chad. So Vince pulls out a knife. They all get pulled out, and they're all told to go home. Vince decides to go outside and take a piss, and his car starts up with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Red Right Hand, who we know from Scream. I mean, it's a classic Scream song that's playing on his, his car stereo as he walks up. He's like, come on, you want to go, Chad? You want to go, motherfucker? Get out of my car. He goes over to the car. There's nobody in it. Ghostface shows up, pops him one time in the neck, and he's fucking killed. I love this pop. Where it's like a real quick, just jump, and then he's mm-hmm. dead. You know, bleeding out on the ground. I was like, that is fucking cool. <laughs> Go face it with in no time. Just real quick, once to the neck, and you're done. And Vince is, is bleeding and, out on the ground. And I agree. I agree that without all of the drama, all of the fucking, like, with, by them going a more realistic route with this particular kill, one pop right to the carotid, bam, fucking yep. done. Yeah. Done deal. No fucking extended fucking, you know, sequence. Nobody chasing anybody. It didn't need to be overcomplicated. This sequence (laughs) made me wish they did this the whole movie. 
maybe the t- like the turn yeah. that they could have gone with with this scream would have been to have played it in a more realistic fashion. Like everybody's going to the scream movie expecting it to be another scream movie, and hey, we turned on your expectations by giving you something else. Like I think that would have been the smarter way to go rather than just trying to fucking replay the hits, man. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Sam waking up in the hospital from a bad dream, and Richie is watching the stab movies on Netflix saying, I have to prepare. Like, I have to be ready for anything. Sam nods him off and goes to the break room of the hospital to take some antipsychotic pills, and she is visited by the one and only Skit Ulrich, a very de-aged Skit Ulrich as Billy Loomis, in the mirror, mm-hmm. asking her when she's going to tell Tara the big secret, why this is all happening. And, I mean... I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if I like this, but at the same time, I was like, kind of do, because I just like seeing Skeet back as Billy. I love Billy Loomis. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know what you guys thought about that. Uh, you know, I, I like the, I mean, bringing her in as, like, the daughter of Billy Loomis. I mean, it's, it's the red herring. You know what I mean? Is what it kind of feels trying to go with with it. You know, the idea is, is, oh, you know, remember, we were talking about elevated horror earlier. So if this was right. truly elevated and she's on antipsychotic medication, maybe she stopped taking her medication and maybe she's really the killer and she just doesn't fucking realize it yet. Wow, man, that would be so far out there. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, there was like a, there was a small part of me while watching the movie that kind of like if they had gone that route, I might have even been a little like, hey, I kind of dig it. Uh, they obviously they they won't go that route, but yeah, I mean it's it's a way to bring back yet another legacy actor. You know, I mean, you know, I dug uh, it. I they, really they, did. They, they found ways to do it. I really I really appreciated it. You know, I know a lot of people are like, uh, did you need to bring that that character? I liked it. You know, they didn't use him too much. Like I felt like they used him too much. I would have been like, all right, no. But no, they 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 pick and chose where they put Billy. And I really appreciated that because what it comes down to is that Ghostface calls Sam and eventually attacks her in the break room. And she's screaming her head off going, oh, he's in the break room. And one of the officers goes to clear it out. No, Ghostface is gone. So we have Deputy Judy Hicks returning, who is now the sheriff. And she's questioning Sam and saying, listen, you better be gone by daylight because you just are nothing but trouble. So just do yourself a favor and get the fuck out of town. And Sam's like, no, I don't know my sister just for the D, and that character was introduced in the fourth movie. Just so you know, that Sheriff yeah, character, gotcha. this, yeah. wasn't, this right. wasn't the first film that she was in. Yeah, that's, I, that's I mean, I had, I had kind of, you know, I had kind of, like, assumed as much, but I didn't look it up, and I didn't for sure. But, you know, I agree with, uh, you know, that as far as the Billy Loomis tie-in, I mean, I guess in all the things that screen movies do, and again, this is, you know, I haven't seen the fourth one, but... Uh, of all of the things that the screen movies do, uh, you know, they always have multiple running threads tying multiple characters to each other and tying characters back to the earlier films. So it made total sense for them to explore this uh, with uh, Tara and Sam and 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 Billy Loomis. Uh, and yes, I do agree that uh, his appearances, like, were used sparingly. Um, you know, I have, you know, some thoughts on his final, not the final appearance, but the second to last appearance. And, mm. you know, when we get to that portion yeah. of the film, I'll talk about it then. 
Um, but, you know, it made sense for them to do it is how they continue to, you know, tie everything back to the beginning, to the original, you know. And it's also at this point that Tara, you know, meets up with Sam once again. Sam decides that she has to tell Tara the truth, that when she was 13, she was going up into the attic of their home and looking through boxes because she was hoping to find some Christmas gifts. Instead, she found a couple diaries from their mother. And in that diary, their mother talks about how Billy is actually the father to Sam and how she cheated on her boyfriend, soon-to-be husband, and it was just devastating for Sam. So she confronted her mother, and during that confrontation, the father overheard this and said, fuck this, I'm out of here, and left. So soon afterwards, Sam got addicted to drugs, started fucking around, and she decided, you know what, I need to get out of Woodsboro and just create a life somewhere else. So she feels terrible about what she did to Tara, keeping that secret from her. And Tara's like, you know what? The fuck out of here. Fuck off. Like, you know, the appropriate reaction to hearing something like that. So yeah, get out. Like, you know, you left me. All because of this? Yeah, get out. You destroyed our family. So it was an effective uh, moment for Tara to have that reaction. And, of course, we have her, Sam, reuniting with Richie going, yeah, you know, uh, we need to find an expert. The police aren't going to help us. So who else can we turn to, to to find out what we can do against Ghostface? Let's go visit Dewey. Let's see where he is. And our boy Dewey is not doing very well. He's living in a trailer by himself, liquor bottles, beer bottles laying everywhere, and all he has is Gail Weathers on the news to watch and be happy with. You know, it's it's so it's so sad. Like it kind of hurt me a little bit to seeing Dewey so alone in this trailer. You know, just kind of living his life by himself in Woodsboro. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's and he's the penultimate townie. You know, like that's 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 how yeah. it, it, they end up playing the character uh, off. Mm-hmm. You know, I. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, for for me, like I enjoyed Dewey in the first film. I believe mm-hmm. that you know they they absolutely wasted one of the best kill sequences you know in a horror film in general in the second movie Sentence? by not killing him. Yes, um, I lo- I love that I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, when I yep. watched that it's scene so in good. theaters the first time, I was like I was like holy fuck! Like not only was it cool that- because it was like an important character, just the the way the death was shot, like the whole thing with the glass between the two of them, it was fucking fantastic. And they they just they spoiled the shit out of it. And it felt like every every film after that three and four. Like it just felt like, hey, let's let's figure out ways to make this character just even more worthless, you know? And here we go now. Yeah. We're, we're, here he is, living in a fucking trailer, and all it is is he's got a hard on for fucking Gail Weathers still, you know? The, the weather <laughs> yeah. girl that he was eighteen and... for a whole year, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was twenty five for a whole year. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, whatever, whatever the age what, was. Yeah, it was twenty five. Um, but so. We, we see Dewey talking to Sam and Richie with kind of hesitance. It's like, oh, I'm Billy Loomis' daughter. He's like, well, fuck that. Why won't I want to talk to you? You know, you're Billy Loomis' daughter. And she's like, no, seriously. You know, my sister was stabbed. Ghostface is back. And he's like, all right, I'll give you a couple minutes to talk to me. You know, and she's like, I really need your help. And he's like, well, fuck that. I don't want to help you. And he eventually gives, like, the rules. Like, listen, uh, who's this guy? That's my boyfriend. He's like, yep, that's the killer. Can't trust him. 
So I don't even know why he brought him here. And also the friends, one of them is the killer. The killer is always in the friends group. So you need to investigate the friends and check it out. Otherwise, fuck off. Like I have no interest in checking anything out. So they, he shuts them out, which to me is the perfect way for Dewey to do it. Like I don't fucking care anymore. <laughs> I've been stabbed multiple times. Do you really think I want to have a go around again? But again, this is where I had a problem because after they leave, Dewey decides I'm going to call Sid and say, Hey, uh, How's everything going? Cool. Anyway, Ghostface is back. Uh, don't come to Woodsboro. And she's like, well, of course I wouldn't want to go fucking back there. He's like, okay, cool. And then he texts Gail. Uh, Ghostface is back. Don't come here. Hope everything is well. Smiley face. He's like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Smiley face is a bad idea. Like, why would you tell them anything? My, my, yeah, well, just, just in case. In case they, cause, well, basically if they see shit on the news, this way they're not, you know, taken unawares. I, I kind of get why he contacts them. I, I don't get, obviously, but he's Dewey, so you, you can't really question. I just love the fact that we have, like, you know, Nev Campbell, we have Sydney, and we have to see mm-hmm. Sydney, you know, she's obviously, she's moved on. She, she has a stroller. She has kids that we hear about, but we never see. Uh, you know, in the budget, I guess they did not <laughs> want to have to hire a child, so we just see the stroller from behind the entire time. I sure, I mean, look, also, you know, also based on her role in the film, it's not, I don't feel there was room for that that we necessarily uh, you know, needed to get behind the the door of her, her domestic situation, you know? No, 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 of course not. But what I was hoping was, honestly, what I was hoping where the franchise was going to finally go was to finally take this movie and make Sid the killer. Um, and that, you know, yeah. that's why mm-hmm. they didn't show us that there was actually a child in that stroller. The idea was that fucking, you know what? She finally had a fucking mental breakdown due to all of the trauma from the previous four fucking films. Her boyfriend tried to fucking murder her. Her brother tried to murder her. Her niece tried to fucking murder her. I mean, it, it's been fucking insane, you know? So, like, it would not be out of the question, in my mind anyway, for that character to finally snap and for us to finally be like, Holy shit, Sydney fucking, you know, is the fucking killer this time. Or or she needed to be Drew Barrymore at the beginning of this movie. And the character that yeah, you think yeah. is safe is the character that finally gets fucking off. You know, even if she got off right here. You know what I mean? Like, this would have been, like, the perfect sequence to do, like, a surprise killing, and you're killing a major legacy character. Holy shit, Sydney Prescott's dead. Fuck, man, this screen movie's going off the rails. Like, there's so many things that they could have done different. Um, yeah, there's plenty of things. But in, in this version of the movie we're talking about, after Dewey kicks them all out, he contacts the legacy characters, Sid and Gale. We have uh, Richie and Sam going to the house of Randy's sister, who has a great fucking memorial for Randy. It's the same actress that played her in part three, uh, Heather Matarazzo. So I was kind of glad to see her back. It's like we brought her back for one fucking Peter second, dog. you know, just I, to kind of have. I always you know, think of her scene. from uh, Hospital Two. Yes, where she's hung upside down. Um, so Sam mm-hmm. reveals to the group that she's Billy Williams' uh, daughter, um, and then the accusation the accusations start to fly around. Like, well, maybe you could be the killer. You know, maybe you could be the killer. Uh, Vince is revealed to be Stu Mocker's nephew. Mindy says the killer is making a requel, 
which is kind of like a reboot, but also a sequel and how fans get pissed off at so how quickly you can mess with what they love, which is the original. So the killer is writing his own version of step eight. So Sam, you're the killer. And she's like, well, no, I'm not. So fuck y'all. I'm leaving. <laughs> she leaves, leaving Richie behind. And he's like, what the fuck? You're going to leave me behind with these people? Okay, fine. Um, and as she leaves, Billy appears in the rearview mirror. He tells her there's a killer on the loose and she can't run away. He tells her to accept who she is, find out who's doing this, and cut their fucking throats. Which causes her to slam on the brakes and, and just kind of look back in the rearview mirror and he's gone. So Billy is trying to seep into her serial killer mind, uh, as we'll see towards the third act. And he does. <laughs> and it works out. So now we have Sheriff Step. Nature uh, nurture, man. It's fucking elevated. Is it in her blood, so, man, or is it how show. she's been brought up? Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Uh, so Judy Hicks, ordering sushi, decides, I'm going to order dinner for us, Wes. You go on and take a shower. Do we have to do? I'm going to leave to go get it. And as she's going out to get it, Ghostface calls her. Hello, Sheriff Judy. <laughs> I still love that he accentuated the Judy about it. Um, and Hicks tells Ghostface, I don't like scary movies. I prefer animated movies and Movies about animals. And on the way, he asks her if she ever saw Psycho. And we see Wes taking a shower. We think that it might be Wes who's going to be the one that gets it first. But no, it's Hicks, who finally reaches the home, rushes to that front door, and Ghostface catches her, and then just fucking brutally stabs her in fucking daylight. Just over and over and over again. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, now he's in daylight. So... Ghostface doesn't care that it's fucking daylight. There's neighbors around. There's cars driving by. No, I'm going to kill her right in the fucking walkway of her house. I was, I was digging it. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, uh, you know, this was a, uh, you know, a, a decently set up and, and ultimately a fun, fun kill, you know, of, uh, I guess you could consider her a legacy character. She was in the previous movie. Yeah. You know? She's, uh, yeah. Um, She's there, but what I and but what I really fucking enjoyed is the fact that after she's dead, Wes gets out of the shower. He's setting up dinner, putting out the plates, and then he sees that the front door is open a little bit. And I don't know what this is all about. So he decides to close the door and lock it. And when he turns around, Ghostface is there, and he jams the knife into the side of Wes's neck. So you get to see the blade protruding out the other side of his neck and just pumping blood as he dies. And I was like, that's original. I kind of dig it. Like a a suffering death. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I feel that I didn't know in advance that uh, Dylan Minnette was in in this film. And uh, I just, and and look, we all know that since the beginning of time, uh, as far as movies uh, covering the doings of those in high school, that actors... Uh, you know, older than high school, continually play high school characters. But I feel that I have been watching Dylan Minnette play high school characters for such a very long time. Um, so I just got a little chuckle seeing him playing a high school character here once again. <laughs> so, He's got that um, childlike, childlike features. What I childlike like features, that, but he also he also hmm. he has childlike features, like appearance-wise. But, like, he also has, like, kind of like a, just like a kind of deeper, more introspective way about him and kind of not a childlike, like, voice. Like, his voice is kind of, like, 
has like a grown-up inflection mm-hmm. to it. It's just like a whole weird combination of things. Yeah, he's a very mature um, high schooler. And at this this crime scene, Sam arrives and she's introduced to Gail Weathers, who arrives with her camera crew. And we also see Dewey Oak on Lake. the scene. And of course, Dewey and Gail immediately begin bickering, like they always do when they show up. You know, or he's like, oh, I guess, you know, the news brought the news crew. And he's like, well, you texted me. You fucking texted me. You didn't even call me. And he's like, well, you know, I just wanted to let you know what was going on. Why are you in uniform? And he's like, well, you know, they kicked me off, you know, the, uh, the police force. So I was forced into retirement. I tried to make it in New York with you for two months. I was a coward. He's like, you're not a coward. You're just a townie. And that's all you are. And he's like, yeah, you know what? You got my number. You know, that's all I am. Um, but when Sam arrives onto the crime scene, she reveals that the cop supposed to be watching Tara is now on the scene with Hicks. And he's like, oh, I got the call. I had to leave. She's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Dewey, come on. Let's go. He's like, yep, let's go. We're going to go to the hospital and hopefully protect Tara, you know, who is no worse for the wear. And with her injuries on her wrist because she got stabbed in the hand, has to use a wheelchair, um, and trying to climb through it. Uh, so we get to the hospital. Again, this fucking hospital in Woodsboro is worse than fucking Haddonfield. Like, say what you want about uh, Halloween 2. This fucking hospital has nobody in it. <laughs> like, and here's the thing. It's the thing. Four year on. There's, a, there's, a, there's a piece of that puzzle that I just want to talk about real quick because this is something that I noticed immediately. Uh, and I did do a little bit of reading after I watched the film, and, you know, some people are like, oh, that whole sequence is like, it's paying tribute to Halloween 2. But the thing is, is that, uh, you know, Halloween 2 uh, took place during, like, the overnight shift um, in a hospital that, uh, you know, I believe the, the idea for that came from an experience that, like, the writer of Halloween 2, uh, you know, actually yeah. had, like, being in a hospital late at night and uh, it mm-hmm. being kind of empty except for like, a couple of doctors and nurses. This is in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's no reason that like lights should be out and there should be nope. like no. not a soul around. Like I get it in Halloween too, when it was legitimately the overnight shift. Uh, but that was not the case here, you know, from when they were in the middle of the afternoon going, Oh my God, there's nobody back at the hospital to when, uh, you know, to after this whole sequence takes place, when Gail Weathers arrives on the scene to see what's going on, like it's still daylight. So that whole portion, whether they were trying to say, "Oh, we're going to pay tribute to Halloween 2 or not," it just it just makes no sense there. It doesn't. It just that was one no. thing that like I feel like they kind of missed on. Yeah, I mean, and especially because we're not in like the middle of fucking bumfuck nowhere. We're not in like right. Montana. We're not in like fucking you know like like some state in which the population is super low. No, we're in California. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but, like, there is, it is a really creepy, creepy experience spending the night overnight in the hospital. I've had, I've had to do it a couple times now, and it, it, it does suck. Yeah, me too. Um, like, they're just, yeah, besides fucking beeping noises, there's, like, absolute silence for the most part, and mm-hmm. just fucking shadows and creaks and fucking, you know, just, I don't know, maybe because it's a hospital in my mind and all the horror movies I've seen, I just have the fucking, you know, the notion that people have died all over the fucking place around me where I am. Um, but, but yeah, there's absolutely no reason why this, this should not be a normal operating busy fucking afternoon like just about every single hospital on the fucking floor that this girl would be in. So, yeah, so Tara... 
you know, investigating some noises. She gets into a wheelchair, discovers the cop dead, and Ghostface pops up as the phone rings of Richie, who got knocked out by Ghostface. Um, we have Ghostface putting on that voice monitor, which I love, that fucking zooming in on his face, and you see the little fucking thing that he can change his voice to. And he calls Sam and tells her, you know, just pick one, your boyfriend or your sister. It's not that fucking hard. Like, just pick one. She's like, oh, God, stop doing it. And he's like, oh, really? Well, I'm just going to have to pick one. She's like, well, this is a trap. And the elevator doors opens up, and Dewey shoots at Ghostface, who runs away. So, okay, Ghostface is gone. I'm going to get Tara. You get Richie. We're going to go back to the elevator. Ghostface once again pops up, and Dewey decides he's going to shoot the fuck out of Weatherface. Knocks him into a case, knocks him down. Ghostface is is out for the count. I know I said Weatherface, but Ghostface is out for the count. Um, They go to the elevator. They want Dewey to come with them. Dewey knows you've got to get a headshot if you want to kill Ghostface. So he's going to stay behind why don't, and kill Ghostface once Why don't you do it right there? Why didn't you do it with them with you? Like, it makes, like and again, obviously, <laughs> again, I know it's a horror movie, so the idea is it's just like the Randy sequence in the first fucking movie. You're supposed to be yelling these things at the screen. You know that he's falling for the trope. And, and, and I do get it. All of that is that, that, tongue in humor, that tongue-in-cheek humor that, that we associate with the Scream movies. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like, I'm looking at this going, man, wouldn't that be fucking turning something on its head for them to kill one of the killers in the middle of the movie? Like, that oh, would yeah. actually would be fucking, fucking something different. I would have been like, holy fuck. Look, but man, it didn't happen. One. But no. So, so, yeah, so Ghostface is knocked out. Dewey tells him to go. They leave. Dewey reloads his gun, and as he prepares to go to the Ghostface and aim a shot at the head, his phone rings. It's Gale. Ghostface gets up, jams one knife into his chest, one knife into his back, and I'm like, okay, well, he can make this. And I'm like, no, he's not, because the amount of blood that he was losing at that point – Well, they made sure you saw them picking him up with the fucking knife. (laughs) You know, they, yeah. they are running those blades up them, filleting the fuck. They are gutting him like a fucking fish. I I they enjoyed it. it. You know what? It was a finality so, to Dewey. I know there's no surviving on this one. Yeah, so um, he died. Uh, and also, as far as, like, the gutting like a fish, uh, is is that not – and I know that they didn't say it here, although uh, the actions were, like, First the gutting movie. of a fish – First movie, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. First movie, going to cut you like a fish. Yeah. So Dewey gets his ultimate death. His eyes are wide open. So we get a legacy character, Dewey, who has survived so much. Unfortunately, he dies here. Gale reacting to it, just completely devastated. And Sid arrives, and they try to convince Sam to just stay and fight. Let's kill this fucker and get it over with. And she's like, yeah, no, that's not how I do it. Uh, I'm going to take Tara. And we're getting the fuck out of town. And Sid's like, no, you really should probably stay. But they leave anyway. And Sid's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll put a tracker on the car. So they ain't going nowhere. So she watched while they're the on their way out of – yeah. So on their way out of town, uh, Tara, Tara finds out that she has lost her inhaler. It's missing. So they have to go to Amber's house to get it. Richie's like, no, in the fucking way are we going back there? But, of course, they have to. So they go to a massive party that's being held at whoever, uh, whoever's house, Stu Mocker's fucking house. Amber's parents yeah, brought Amber's Stu house. Mocker's house. And if you get it at the early part of the party when everybody's walking around, 
somebody says, nice house, Freeman, and that's Methy Willard in ADR. So oh, it's funny. kind of fun to have. It's kind of fun to have Stu saying nice house Freeman when it's actually his from Scream. So you have the party going on, Amber heading to the basement and being confronted by Mindy saying, you failed my test. You don't go around by yourself when you want to get beer. There's a killer around. And Amber says, well, how do you know I'm not the killer? Well, actually, Amber, I'm the killer. Like, it's just, yeah, don't trust anyone. That's the ultimate you know, thing we have to get to. <laughs> And I know, I know, we still have like you know, obviously we're we're, we're going to have to cut the recap short because of where we are. But man, talk about a fucking missed opportunity for a fucking makeout scene between two girls. You're going to make the one girl a lesbian anyway. This scene right here, with all of this killer talk and all of this like, there was all this tension between these two characters, you know, because again, obviously as the audience, we're wondering which one of them is the killer. But man, I'm sitting there going, yeah. yo, they're going to fucking make out. That's what's going to. They're actually fucking yeah. in a relationship relationship together uh, but no yeah. they fucking no they, they they still made the one gay but just not with fucking amber which is yeah. what i wanted to see and chad on the couch with liv he, they're making out and she's like let's go up to the bedroom he's like ah no <laughs> no you know what the thing is that there's a killer around and i don't know if i can still care uh so i'm gonna be good so she leaves and chad's constantly texting her where are you she finally sends him a link once he goes outside with a weapon, thanks to Mindy, you know, a candlestick. And he follows that Find My Fan link, and it's, of course, Ghostface, who stabs him in the leg. And, of course, he can't get the phone to work because his fucking hands are all bloody. And Ghostface stabs him a couple times, and does he survive? Does he not? We'll find out. Um, Amber is confronted by Tara and The phone not working with the blood was a nice touch. Because I've had that happen to me a lot because I work with, like, you know, whenever I'm working with, like, a boiler and shit, if I get, like, the littlest bit of water on the screen of my phone, it starts going all kinds of fucking haywire. <laughs> yeah. So Sam, Tara, and Richie arrive. They cut the party short. Everybody gets the fuck out, you know. So everybody departs. So we're only left with Sam, Tara, Richie, Amber, you know, we don't know where Chad is. Mindy's on the couch watching Stab and just watching her uncle be, you know, a silly little goose. You know, watch out, watch out behind you. Um, Sydney and Gail eventually arrive and decide to arm up, you know, during this point, um, not knowing who to trust, not know who the killer is. Liv runs into the living room saying, I, thought, I don't know what fucking shit's going on. I found Chad. Why are your hands all bloody? I don't know. Maybe you're the killer. And then Amber says, no, I am, and shoots Liv in the face with a gun. <laughs> so, all right, got it. We know because I got it from the start that you're going to be one of the killers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. So Richie and Sam get separated. They go down to the basement. Sam doesn't trust Richie at all. Like, just get the fuck away from me. I don't know who I can trust anymore, you know, and runs away from him. Um, she decides that she is going to find Tara, but Richie says, well, how do you know that Tara isn't the killer? Like, how do you know that she isn't the one, you know, that did all this? And it's like, oh, shit. Um, maybe, but at the same time, Tara's not going to be listening to anything. Um, when Sydney and Gail arrive, they decide to go up to the house, and that's when Amber arrives. And she's like, oh, my God, everything's fucked up. Everything's... Is it a trap? Trap. And Amber goes, fuck it, and shoots Gail into the stomach. 
And she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, we, you have to find the killer. Get it. <laughs> um, we have to do it for Dewey. So Sydney goes around. Not Dewey. Chances. Do the do. And she, I love the fact that Sydney is just not taking any chances and just shooting every fucking door. <laughs> Fuck it. Not, you know, just, you know, going on with it. I'm just going to shoot everything that goes on. Um, I love that Ghostface calls her. And he's like, hey, Sydney, welcome to the party. And she's like, I'm bored. Wait. <laughs> Ghostface panicking at a certain point as she sees to the door, and it's actually where Richie's hiding. Why didn't you make yourself known? Well, you're shooting every door. Well, now you got a bullet in the leg. So thank you for that. Um, and I love the fact that Ghostface appears, and Richie screams, holy shit, it's Ghostface. That one little line as Ghostface and Sydney go over the, the banister of the stairs. Sam grabs a gun, and we have Richie running up to her, who quickly stabs her in the stomach, saying, I always hoped that I could stab you. And it's like, oh, shit. Well, we have a reveal. It's Amber and Richie who killed them. And, uh, you know, their, their reasons for killing people and for wanting to start up a new franchise and bring in the legacy characters – like I said, it's two on the nose, where it's like, yeah, horror fans are toxic, and they only like one thing, and we have to give it to them, because that's how we are. Yeah, I mean, it's again, like, okay, the, the, the idea of tying this into them just wanting to make a fucking another stab movie, but making it a good stab movie, and that's their whole purpose of this, it's just... For me, it feels like almost a betrayal of what all the other films were. You know, like the, in the other films, the characters, whether or not their motivations were twisted or, or, or wrong, they had motivations that went beyond just simple, like, hey, I'm doing this for greed. Uh, oh, well. Yeah, yeah. They, they always felt like a pers- personal reason behind the fucking attacking, you know? And uh, this, this kind of took away from that. I felt like it did anyway. It did, you know, because we, we have, you know, Amber cackling and just being crazy, you know, trying to strangle Gail, breaking a bottle over her head, which eventually leads to the stove being turned on so that Gail could have the honor of shooting Amber and setting her on fire, you know, where she screams <laughs> and it's like, yep, yep, nice and toasty, <laughs> you know, you know, as she dies after saying Dewey does like a pussy. So it's like, you don't want to say that. <laughs> you know. Um, Richie is eventually attacked by Sam, you know, who decides to, to overcome him. They fall down the stairs. Richie grabs his gun. Billy appears in the mirror directing her to where the knife is. And as Richie is going in for that final kill where he's going to get Sam, Sam says, you never fuck with the daughter of a serial killer. And then just proceeds to stab the shit out of him. And I love Jack Wade in this performance. He's like, all right, stop it. Stop. He's getting stabbed multiple fucking times. Where he's like, well, this wasn't how it was supposed to happen. This was supposed to be my final ending. And she's like, no, I got your final ending right here. As she splashes him across the neck. Um, and we have Gail and Sydney appearing next to her saying, you know what? They always come back. So Sam decides to fucking just pop a few rounds in the fucking Richie. Yep, not coming back now, are you? Nope. <laughs> but... Who comes back with Amber? Have Burnt coming screaming through like a banshee until she's shot down by Tara, who's like, I still prefer the Babadook. And, you know, as another tribute to West, though, 
they did have her burn scars, having her look a little like Freddie in that sequence also. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely attribute to that. Because even if you watch Vince early on in the movie, I forgot to mention it, there's tattoos on his knuckles that are 1428, which is right. the Thompson yes. house from, from Nightmare on Elm Street, which I thought was really cool. There's an Elm Street sign when they drive into the, the town, so I thought that was really cool. So outside, police and paramedics have arrived. Chad and Mindy are okay, giving each other the dewy thumbs up like he did in the Scream 1, you know, as they're carted away in their different ambulances. Um, Gail and Sydney are just fucking hanging out on the ambulance, which I thought was so funny. Like, Gail was shot in the stomach, and Sydney was stabbed. But yet they're hanging out in the ambulance with a blanket around their shoulders, like, no, we're cool, man. <laughs> We've been through this before. It's fine. Like, we're just waiting for, you know, the ambulance guys to come and take us away. Um, and Gail reveals that she's not going to be writing about the killers this time, but she's going to be writing about Dewey. Uh, he was a hero and one that deserves a book and deserves attention. Is Sam going to be okay? Eventually. And as Sam walks away, she sees Billy nodding to her in the reflection of the cop car. Sam and Tara leave together in an ambulance as we see a news reporter showing up, just like Gail did at the ending of Scream 1, reporting on what happened. And as we cut to the credits, we see Ghostface with his head bowed, wiping blood off his blade as a tribute to for Wes, which I thought was really fucking cool. Like, that got to me in the theater when I saw that. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, it is really for Wes. That's cute. Yeah, that's... Uh, so that being said, oh, yeah. Overall, it wasn't terrible. Oh, it wasn't great. I don't know. I, I could have... I wanted more, but, you know, I, I know they're just rebuilding the franchise again, so I know they have sequels planned. So, yeah, they do. So, as they close out, um, the pick goes to the Dean for next week. So, what do you have for us, Dean? Uh, so, next week, uh, we're going to take a trip to uh, the 90s, uh, 1993 uh, specifically, hmm. uh, directed okay. by uh, the writer of the original uh, Child's Play, John Lafia. Director of Child's Play 2. Right. Uh, we will be watching the 1993 feature starring Ali Sheedy and Lance Henriksen, Man's Best Friend. Man's Best Friend? Oh, oh, man. I called that before you said it. Yeah, that's a good fucking movie. Um, what is nice. Man's Best Friend. That was an HBO movie for me back in the day. So I'm looking forward to talking about that. And, yeah, as we close out, uh, we do have a caller that stayed on the line for a little while. I want to get them on and see if they have anything to say. I, uh, oh, yeah, I just seven, wanted to no, say, seven, four, seven, one. live her alone, live her alone. Live her alone. Live her alone. Live her alone. Come on, you guys are fucking killing me. I was waiting for it the whole time. <laughs> and, yeah, we're going to close out with you. What did you think about the screen? Thank you. Good. You're welcome. I, I, this is my first night. time listening. I'm a, yep, you too, guys. Bye. We're sorry. Well, bye. Wait, Thank wait, you so much. don't go. Uh, so this is your first time listening. Where where did you hear about us from? Uh, so who is this person? No, she dropped out. She dropped out. So that was a Do we know who that was? Area that was? That was from Pennsylvania. That was from my country. 
717. So hopefully she calls back next week and talks about it. And it's like a fun time. I'm sorry that we had. Yeah, uh, hit us up on the Facebook or the Instagram. Let us let us know where you heard about us and, and let you know let us know what you uh, thought about the show. I uh, didn't realize you were on the line. Uh, we would have got you on there no, a little I, bit sooner. So we do apologize for that. Saw the number pop up. I was trying to close out the movie, so I'm glad she got to have her workload. Liver alone. <laughs> Screen does. You sound like you've right, ever so. talked to another human being before, Dean. It's fun. I mean, so, I like when so we much. get callers, man. It's like a rare, it's like a rare thir- special occasion. Uh, thirty seconds, guys. Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. All right, close uh, it out. Sorry. Uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, you know, Dean. We'll talk to you next week. And when you close yes, this man, out, uh, right. cool. Uh, stay scared, everybody. All right, and as for me, I'm your old pal, the King of Heart, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening. And then, actually, I found out who it was. It was my old coworker, Lynette, from when I worked at Select back in the day. So hopefully she calls back in. I'll try to reach out to her. So keep America strong. Watch our movies. Hell yourself. Hell Satan. We'll see you back here next week.